Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. Together, we will unpack fantasy, faith, and life. We are not experts, but rather fantasy coaches here to encourage you help you win, and find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. I'm Bryce Johnson. Harrison Zuckerberg will join me in a moment today on the show. We will talk about who to draft, who to avoid, ADP debates, average draft position debates, and we will unpack what it means to have chaos during our fantasy drafts and how that relates to our own lives and how that relates to faith. And that's right. We will dive into the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. Uh, It is a, a book designed for you to read throughout the fantasy season, either individually with your league or get your church involved. This is great for churches. We, we have a church kit. We have a league kit. And then the playbook is for everyone. And so here on the show, we will go through one of the sessions uh, each time on this podcast. And so today, it's all about the chaos that we experience during the draft. You can go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com to find out all the information about how you can get involved with FFF. Uh, And then also you can find the playbook on Amazon as well. Just search Fantasy Football Fellowship. Also, one other note. This is episode two for the 2021 season. We are releasing this under the Unpacking It podcast uh, feed. And so if you're a regular listener of Unpacking It, make sure you go to uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search for Fantasy Football Fellowship, and that's where... Uh, you can subscribe specifically to the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast. And so if you're just joining us and and you you haven't subscribed to the Unpacking It podcast, we'll go do that. So we hope that you will subscribe to both Unpacking It. We talk all sports, Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast, all about fantasy football, faith, and life. We also want to invite you into our Fantasy Football Fellowship leagues that we have here at Unpacking It. We have four different leagues for you to join, and you can go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy to join one of those leagues. But right now, we're going to jump right in. We've got so much to get to today. Harrison, how are you? We are getting closer to fantasy drafts taking place. How you feeling? I am uh, I'm pumped up, Bryce. I'm ready to go, ready to talk about some of my favorite fantasy players for the season and who I want to be targeting in drafts. This is When you win, you win at the drafts. You got to get the players on your team that you want who will support you for the whole season long. Now, obviously, you got to make some changes during the season, but you start your winning season at the draft with getting your guys. Absolutely. And I find that I hear other people downplay the draft, and I'm always like, what are you talking about? That's where you construct your roster. Now, sure, there will be a pickup. There will be a, a trade. There, there will be, you know, some move during the season that might get you over the top. 
but you've got to have the foundation and the foundation starts with the draft. Episode three will be all about draft tips, strategies, and and suggestions and secrets. And today's show, though, we're going to tell you who to draft. These are the guys that we are passionate about, we have faith in, and, and this is based on talent and value. Because anytime you're approaching a fantasy draft, you want to get good players at the right time, at the right cost, meaning draft capital, or if you're an auction league, uh, which I play as well, you want to pay the right price. And so today, we'll, we'll look at, you know, our baseline is kind of 12-team leagues, and, and that's kind of the ADPs that we'll look at and, and that sort of thing. But let me start with some of my favorite players uh, and guys that I just feel like are must-draft type of players, guys I have faith in. First, at the quarterback position, I'm going Russell Wilson. Last year, we forget, but when he started the season, he was unbelievable. He was like the clear-cut MVP of the regular of regular football and fantasy football. He was just awesome. And to me, because he fizzled toward the end of the year, and I'm not exactly sure what was going on in Seattle because it kind of trickled into the offseason where, you know, was he going to get traded? Was he going to demand a trade? All of that seems to be water under the bridge. And I think the, the reality that, that he's got the weapons that he has with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, that's as strong of a one-two punch as, as really there is in the league, especially the way I feel about DK Metcalf and his ascension into the elite of uh, the NFL. So I'm all in on Russell Wilson, and here's why I love him. He's, he slips in drafts. He's like the sixth or seventh quarterback taken, and to me, he's a top four quarterback. So you get him a little bit later. You don't have to, It's not as much of a high price, and he's always healthy. He's always healthy. He's never missed a game. So when he's out there, he's he's playing. He can get you rushing yards, and and he of course can throw through the air. And so I'm all in on Russell Wilson this season. Who's your quarterback? You're taking my quarterback that I'm taking this year is Kyler Murray. Similar situation to Russell Wilson that you were talking about. Started off super hot last year, then in Week Ten had a shoulder injury actually against Seattle and sort of fizzled out a little bit as the year ended. But I want to read you uh, two different stat lines real quick from, from quarterbacks, Bryce, and you tell me which guy you would rather have. So the first guy in one season passed for around 3,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, and then had 1,200 yards rushing and seven rushing touchdowns. Now, okay. this, the second guy passed for 4,000 yards, 30 passing touchdowns, about a little less on the rushing, about 1,000 rushing yards, and 18 rushing touchdowns. Which of those two guys would you rather have? I'll take the second guy. The second guy? Well, the first guy was actually Lamar Jackson during his fabulous MVP season that he had two years ago. Now, the second guy is what Kyler Murray's stat line projected to be if he had played all 16 games healthy. That was his 16-game pace off the first 10 games of the season before wow. he got injured, which is just unbelievable. Blew Lamar out of the water and pretty much, you know, seven rushing touchdowns to 18 rushing touchdowns we're talking about. So if Kyler can just do partially what he did during those first 10 games of the season, it's not like 10 games is a small sample size. 10 games is the majority of the season for quarterbacks. You know, he plays 16 games during the year. If you can do even close to what he did last year, I think he's going to be unbelievable and will finish as the number one overall quarterback. And you talk about wow. sliding because how he finished the year last year, which he was injured. He had a shoulder injury. You know, he's going behind Patrick Mahomes right now, which is fair. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league, but guys like Josh Allen, 
Lamar Jackson himself, Dak Prescott, he's going as the fourth or fifth quarterback in the drafts in these middle rounds when he has the chance to put up MVP-type numbers this season like he did for most of the time last year. And with the rushing numbers, I think he will be a huge rushing threat again this year. Like, the Cardinals didn't pay to re-sign Kenyon Drake, which I think is big. They're committed to Kyler as being a big part of their rushing offense. And they also brought in A.J. Green, who's older but still a solid receiver, and drafted Rondell Moore in the second round of the draft. So they're bringing in more receiving weapons for Kyler to have, along with, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins. And I think it's going to be a huge year for him where they're going to have him shoulder the load and carry them like Lamar did that year towards the playoffs. It's a good take. And and as far as the, the stats go, I just get nervous. Like, he's great. He's awesome. The stats, he, sh- he showed the the his ability to to make quick decisions, to know when to run, and I I felt like he ran pretty well, kind of like how Russell Wilson runs. But I still always get nervous with how small he is. And so, I mean, Russell Wilson and Kyler are the same size. They're both like 5'11". Yeah, but no, it's it's the size. It's the how short and skinny he is. To me, Russell Wilson is built a little more solid. Um, So it's just just a preference when it comes to who I trust and, and with Kyler, the size I just don't I don't fully trust. And he was injured last year, whereas Russell Wilson never gets injured. So I mean, he, he was injured but never missed a game. He still played those final six games of the season. So you, you buy that he might have been injured, but he doesn't miss games. I guess that's the point. He, he doesn't miss games. And that, that, that's somebody that, that I can uh, yeah rely on. So th- th- those are our two quarterbacks. Now let's go to the wide receiver position. And, and who do we have faith in? Who are we targeting? Who do we really want to leave our drafts with? And my guy is Cooper Cup. Because he's he's ranked 21st right now. So to me, he is undervalued. And, and the reality is, he's, he's one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL over the last three seasons, averaging over five receptions and 65 yards per game uh, in, all the, in all three seasons. And so he lines up at the slot. Well, Matthew Stafford is now the quarterback uh, for the, the LA Rams. And to me, that is such an upgrade over Jared Goff. And so... Cup has put up those numbers with Goff. Just imagine what he can do with Matthew Stafford. And you think about you know, Marvin Jones and, and Kenny Galladay, all these different receivers uh, that put up numbers with Stafford. Of course, Calvin Johnson. Um, so Stafford can get the ball to you. And, and I like Robert Woods as well. And so I think both can be productive. But I like the value of Cup. I like the consistency of Cup. And, and I just I buy into the connection that Stafford and Cup will have together. So I'm taking him, and I love that I can get him a little bit later. And I'm actually fine with him being my number one wide receiver. I would draft him. I would pass a lot of receivers, get him in a later round, and go with Cup. Yeah, I completely agree with that take. And I think a lot of the reason why he's sliding this year is because he only had three touchdowns last year. You don't want only three touchdowns out of your number one receiver. That's terrible. That's terrible for your number four receiver to have only three touchdowns. But Touchdowns are not a consistent stat. You know, it changes year to year who gets opportunities around the goal line. You know, a guy gets tackled on the one yard line a few times. Those things change. They buff themselves out. And you think the Rams offense is going to be better this year with Matthew Stafford. And he'll have a chance to get those touchdown numbers up and be a real elite wide receiver. Absolutely. Who's your wide receiver you're taking? My wide receiver that I'm taking, just like you, is a guy who's really undervalued, in my opinion. That is Jerry Judy. Uh, right now, he's being taken as a 38th wide receiver off the board, which is just amazing to me that he's going that low. So he had a good rookie season last year, but didn't really get the hype that some players like Justin Jefferson did just because he broke out so much as a rookie, but still had a really solid rookie season. 
And a lot of the reasons why he didn't explode like some of these other rookies did was because he was playing with some of the worst quarterback play in the entire league. You know, his catchable target rate, so how accurate the throws are that are coming to him, were ranked 105th in the NFL Oof. last year out of receivers, which is just awful. Now, new quarterback coming in, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, we're in Carolina here. Teddy wasn't really great last year for the Panthers, but surprisingly, I didn't realize this. Teddy Bridgewater actually had the number one target accuracy out of any quarterback in, in 2020, which seems crazy to, crazy to say, but it's true. On those short passes that he loves so much, he is extremely accurate. And like you said with Cooper Cup, Jerry Judy also lines up in the slot and be, will be the target for Teddy on a lot of those quick short throws, get the ball in Judy's hands, and he will get downfield and make big plays. So I think he's getting a huge upgrade accuracy-wise at quarterback. He's going to fit into what they want to do, and I think he's going to explode this season. So my argument against you, good take, but uh, I would say Cortland Sutton coming back just makes it interesting. We don't know who Teddy Bridgewater is going to uh, maybe favor. And and then also the, the reality that uh, Jerry Judy, to me, did he, did he show enough talent-wise last year did you did you see that did you see enough talent wise with him yeah to me i did i mean there's a on on him separating from routes i think he had one of the best you know um rates of separation against man coverage it was something like 90 percent of the time where he ran a route he was getting good separation from the quarterback which is what you want to look for in receivers receivers who can get open on a consistent basis he was one of the best in the nfl already at doing that and i think with the Cortland sutton thing you know, I love Corin Sutton. He's an SMU guy. I'm an SMU guy. I want to root for him coming back, but he is coming off of a major injury. And also, I think people are assuming that he's the better receiver just because he's the veteran. Judy was taken in, in the first round for a reason last year. He was a higher draft capital spent than Cortland Sutton was. And I think he's just a better overall player. They're completely different receivers. Cortland Sutton's more of a big body outside receiver, while Judy is, is inside more, more elusive and quick. But I think Judy overall is just a better player. He's been a dominant receiver at, at every level through high school and college when he was at Alabama. I think he will still be the number one guy, even when Sutton coming back. I still have Sutton you know, ranked pretty high. I think he's going to have a great season. But I don't think he's going to take away from Judy. I think they're more just going to complement each other. All right. So you're, buy, you're buying into uh, to, to Denver receivers, man. That, that makes me nervous. I will say this, though. Teddy Bridgewater, he was here with the Panthers. I'm a Panthers fan. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore both had bla- great years last year. They both played well yeah, Teddy uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he can support 2,000-yard receivers like he did last year with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And even Curtis Samuel got some love, too, from Teddy Bridgewater. So he can definitely put up fantasy numbers. Now, is he going to win you games? We'll see, but he can support he fantasy He can't. can't win you games. No. Yeah, I guess that was my thing with Judy. It was like, did we see enough last year, and could we tell enough based on the poor quarterback play? So. That's why I'm like, I don't know if I can be sold to take Judy. But to your point, he is going a little bit later. I'll be curious if he, if he picks up some some speed uh, with ADP, kind of a rising ADP over the next couple of weeks coming out of training camp, if there really is a connection with Bridgewater and the talent is kind of jumping off uh, in, in training camp. So we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, I drafted Sutton last year and he burned me because he got hurt so so i'm like out on denver uh all right let's uh let's run through these a little bit quicker we'll go uh running backs that we're targeting that we really have faith in and that we want uh my guy is damian harris 
I I thought he was so good last year. And talking about talent, this guy, when he was out there for New England at the end of the season, even when New England was struggling, like it was a bad year for New England. Uh, Earlier, they were fine. But later in the year, just kind of things unraveled for them. But Damian Harris was a bright spot. And catching him uh, you know, a couple times, just watching him run, I, he he convinced me. I was like, this guy can play. And then you know, you, you factor in, okay, Sony Michelle, he's just a nice name, but he really hasn't produced in the NFL. Um, Rex Burkhead is gone. Um, I still like James White, but but he's a an older player. So I think the volume is there. We're already hearing the reports that that he's the the number one guy, Damian Harris is, and Belichick has has spoken very highly of him. Um, and and I think either quarterback. Mac Jones or Cam Newton, I think Damian Harris will will be relevant and solid. And and I love that you can get him later in drafts. He's like the thirty sixth running back taken. Are you kidding me? Uh, I think I think he's going to be an RB two uh, without a doubt, and 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 maybe even better than that. So I'm uh, very high on Damian Harris. I also like Daryl Henderson. Um, and and kind of like I've said, I think everybody's in on the Rams because we should be on in on the Rams. Like I don't think there's any. Real surprises there. It's like they've got great players. They're a Super Bowl contender. They will be disappointing if they aren't. Like so, the expectation is they're going to be awesome. A lot of great players. I'm in on on Cam Akers as well. All right, my tight end. I'm really excited about just another. You know, we talk about fantasy. We talk a lot about stats and numbers, and 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 Harrison's very good at all that. And and oftentimes we we have to you know complement that with the eye test. What do you see? And and that's why I like Damian Harris. And and maybe I just didn't watch Judy enough last year with, with Denver because I didn't watch the Broncos because they weren't very good last year. But a guy that I did catch last year toward the end of the season, Cole Komet, the tight end for the Chicago Bears. I know Jimmy Graham is back, but Jimmy Graham's his run as as being an elite tight end is definitely over. And to me, even being a starting tight end, like even if he starts week one, I just think early early in the year, Cole Komet going into his second season will take over. Right now, he's ranked like tight end 17. And, and I think that that offers so much potential that you can get him late. And if he really is the guy, and if Fields, whenever Fields takes over, uh, relying, you know, a young quarterback, relying on his tight end, I buy into that philosophy. And, and so here's the thing. Komet just didn't play that much early in the year. But once he started, so during the first nine games, he only played like 23 or 24 plays a game. And he only had six receptions. Then he started playing 55 plays over the final seven games when he had 22 receptions. So that that's the difference. He was getting more looks, showed off his athleticism, and I think he takes a big step. And I think he can be a steal uh, for those of us that that target him and take him middle to late in drafts. Who's your tight end? My tight end is division rivals for the Bears, uh, Irv Smith on the Minnesota Vikings. So another other similar situation where he's just the athletic beast when he came out from Alabama, but was stuck behind Kyle Rudolph's more an aging solid tight end, kind of like Cole Komet was stuck behind Jimmy Graham. Um, but last year, Kyle Rudolph was injured in the final four games of the season. So he did get opportunity as the starter. And during those four games, he was on a 16 game pace of 60 receptions for over 700 yards and 12 touchdowns. And I think the 12 touchdowns is a huge thing because when he was on the field, Kirk Cousins was looking for him in the red zone and we know how big touchdowns are for tight ends. So I think going into this season, you know, Rudolph is gone now. I think he's with the Giants. 
Irv Smith is the starter there. He has the entire tight end room to himself. Um, and I think that stat line of like 60 receptions for 700 yards, maybe a little bit less touchdowns, but that's completely achievable. And that would be something, you know, similar production to what we've seen from Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson over the last couple of years who have been great fantasy tight ends. And the best part about this for me is that right now, Irv Smith is the 18th ranked tight ends in drafts. You can pretty much get him for free at the end of your draft. You don't have to spend a draft pick on him. You can take your last pick and use it on Irv Smith and possibly get, you know, a top six or seven tight end for this season. Yeah, lots of lots of mouths to feed in in Minnesota. So I'm I'm still big on on Adam Thielen, and then of course they run the ball. So uh, Dalvin Cook, one, one of the, the top running backs. So uh, yeah, it, it, definitely the opportunity is there. He's been waiting for Kyle Rudolph to to, to leave, and I think we all waited for Kyle Rudolph to take a, a step to to become a, an elite tight end. It just never happened. Like he very solid, nice career, not the best fantasy guy. It, fill in week here and there, but never really emerged as someone that that was going to win you a bunch of bunch of fantasy games so um yeah we'll see if he does anything in in new york and another spot where uh there are a lot of mouths to be fed as well all right one more just kind of late round flyer uh guys we like guys we'd like to leave the draft with and for me it's darrington evans former app state mountaineer he was injured all last year it was a bummer uh but i think derrick henry you gotta rest him. 17 game season now you can't give him the same volume as you always have in, in recent years, as good as Henry is, and he'll still get plenty of carries, but incorporate Evans on third downs, let him catch the ball out of the backfield. If he stays healthy, I think he'll be uh, a weapon. And then, you know, Henry has had a lot of carries. So if he does miss time, hopefully he doesn't. But if he does, Darrington Evans, I think is a nice handcuff to have uh, a nice, a nice, you know, backup player uh, for, for one of the elite running backs. So definitely want to keep your eye on Darrington Evans late in your draft. All right. Who's kind of a random late night, late round, late night. <laughs> who's a, who's a late night guy for you. What do you got Harrison? Oh, late round guy for, for me this year is every single year. There's always an undrafted rookie who breaks out last year. It was James Robinson. Before that we had Philip Lindsley break out with the Broncos as an undrafted rookie this year. I think it's going to be Javion Hawkins running back for the Atlanta Falcons. I like now, it. I think he's a super talented player coming out of college. I liked him a lot. He was extremely productive and explosive when he played at Louisville. Um, and he was supposed to go in like the fourth or fifth round, but just, you know, slipped to undrafted because I guess people didn't see him as a positional need for them at the running back position. But the Falcons picked them up. And for me, the biggest thing is, along with his talent, the opportunity. Like, do we really trust Mike Davis to be a workhorse running back for the Atlanta Falcons? I don't think so personally. And the new coach, Arthur Smith has already said that he wants to use multiple running backs in this scheme. I think Hawkins as a guy who's really being overlooked, he's really the only other running back on that roster besides Davis, unless you're a big believer in Quandre Olson, which I don't know why you would be. Um, but I think he has the opportunity to get carries early on and then eventually grow into that starting role. If he outperforms Davis and his talent just shines through. That's a great one. I think there's an opportunity there in, in Atlanta. Um, it, kind of a reset for them with a new coaching staff. And, and so, uh, again, lots of opportunity. All right, we're going to have to run through these really quick. Uh, and, and so, because we still want to get to the ADP questions uh, that we'll, we'll get to in a moment. But who are the guys 
we're avoiding. Who are the guys you're avoiding, Harrison? And and let me just uh, list off a few of my guys that that I think I, I just don't trust them. I, I think they're overrated, and I think they're maybe going too high in drafts, and they're just guys that I I will not be targeting in in my personal fantasy drafts. And so one of those guys is Aaron Jones. As good as Aaron Jones is, I'm not questioning that. But I get nervous when guys sign the big contract and they were great during a you know contract season where they're they're looking to get one, then they get it, then they they feel a little bit more comfortable. And I really like AJ Dillon, the backup running back in Green Bay. And so I would rather target AJ Dillon as a potential flyer, just if something did happen to Aaron Jones. Uh, I think I think they'll incorporate Dylan a little bit more as well. Um, so I, I'm just a I'm not willing to spend a, a first rounder on Aaron Jones. Uh, you mentioned Atlanta, so I'm out on Mike Davis. Like he was good here in Carolina, uh, but I just I, I think Carolina had had it set up well to to, to run the ball well, uh, especially with the offense you know built around Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis was a plug in guy that, that really you know thrived and, and shined and all that sort of thing. But to go down to Atlanta. I, I just I'm just not buying that. Um, and then also, I think that Buffalo Bills players they were all underrated last year. Well, now this year they're overrated. So Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, like those two guys, they were awesome, and they were they won fantasy leagues. If you got one of those guys late last year, or later, you probably had a great chance of winning your fantasy league. I would rather look for who who are who are the Buffalo Bills this year. What what is that team that's gonna take that next step that has the young players that can really emerge versus paying a, a premium to to draft Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs? I, I just I'm not willing to do that this year. Um, and then also uh, Curtis Samuel, another guy who's leaving Carolina, he gets hyped every year, and he was okay last year, but again in a contract year, now he signed in Washington. Uh, I like Terry McLaurin. I'd rather have him. I, I'm just not real real big on, on Curtis Samuel. I think he always gets a, a little bit more overhyped uh, than, than what he actually produces week in, week out in fantasy. And then lastly, Melvin Gordon. I was out on him last year. I'm out on him this year. Maybe I'm just out on Denver. Maybe I just have a, a bad view of Denver. Uh, but I like Javante Williams as a potential rookie running back uh, that, that can take over for Melvin Gordon. Real quickly, Harrison, who are your guys that you are avoiding, you don't trust? All right, first guy, I was out on him last year, but for some reason he still got drafted high just because of his name, and that's A.J. Green. He was terrible last year, signs with the Cardinals this year, and even though he has the big name of this former receiver that people remember, he's like the fourth receiver on the team, but he's still being drafted for some reason. I don't know why people are taking him. I'm out on him. I'm out on Gronk as well. I mean, amazing career, but getting older and, you know, OJ Howard's coming back from injury. He wasn't there last year. I think he takes away from snaps, some snaps from Gronk. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, another guy. I think there's too many mouths to feed in Pittsburgh. They draft Najee Harris. I think they're committed to running the ball more. I don't think that the receivers get as much work as they did last year. Um, and another guy, Jarvis Landry, again. You know, every mm. year he seems to be okay, but never has that that great season. And again, I think Cleveland's just so committed to running the ball with the two running back system of um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, Odell's coming back from injury. I just don't think there's enough opportunity for Landry, someone who for some reason is he's drafted high every year because people hope that he can be that number two guy in Cleveland. I just don't think there's enough opportunity for him to have a great season. Those are good ones. I, I'm hard to disagree with with any of them. Um, 
Yeah, Gronk. I, Gronk's great for the playoff playoff run. I think I think he'll he'll produce in the playoffs, but probably not in the regular season. Uh, especially with OJ Howard should be back in the mix, and yeah. um, they'll probably rely on him a little bit more uh, during the regular season. All right, let's uh, let's get to uh, this next segment where we're, we're going to take a look at different ADP scenarios based on twelve team leagues and their current ADP in PPR leagues. And basically, we'll we'll give two different players, and you can either draft one or pass on that that player, and then draft another player later. So here we go. Do you draft Travis Kelsey ninth overall, or pass on him and then take Darren Waller twenty fourth overall? Harrison, um, I'm going to take Waller on that one. This is a little bit of bias, just because I've had Waller on my team for the last two years. I'm kind of attached to him because I had him during his breakout season uh, a few years ago. But I like the idea of getting one stud running back in that first round and then taking Waller, maybe someone else at that next turn. I think that's really, really good for your team. So I would take Waller over Kelsey. I'm going Kelsey. He's locked in. He's always the top tight end. He's awesome. He's reliable. Chiefs are great. Mahomes is great. Let, let, give me Kelsey. I'll take him. All right, you read the next one. All right, now would you rather have Adam Thielen in round five or my guy Jerry Judy in the eighth round? <laughs> so I guess I've already... Uh, kind of <laughs> gone out on, on Judy. So let me take Adam Thielen in the fifth, um, 50th overall to me, that's a steal. Now to your point earlier about touchdowns, when a guy scores a lot of touchdowns or doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, it's hard to gauge exactly what his fantasy value is. Cause it's not always repeated year after year, whereas catches and yards, you, you feel a little bit more comfortable that it can be replicated. Um, and so that makes me a little nervous because Thielen was money in the end zone, uh, in the red zone, um, catching passes, uh, you know, back of the, the corner, uh, in the end zone, just, just tremendous. So reliable. Kirk cousins trusts him. Um, so I still think he'll get in the end zone and, and I think maybe his, his catches will go down just a hair as Jefferson continues to emerge, but I still like Thielen. I'm, I'm still taking him uh, in, in the fifth round. That's, that's great value to me. All right. What about for you? Do you take Justin Herbert 59th? in the fifth round or Joe Burrow in the ninth round, 97th overall, both of course heading into their second season. Ooh, this is a tough one again. Um, I think I would go Burrow in the ninth just because if I'm not getting, in my opinion, Kyler Murray in that fifth round, I'm just going to wait then on Joe Burrow later. I don't think I would then reach for Herbert at that point. I don't think he's worth that fifth round pick. I think people forget how good Burrow was before he got injured. He he yes. was great. Like unbelievable. He was, he was on pace to break all of the rookie passing yard records before he got injured. So with no O line, right? With no with no <clears throat> O line and nowhere near the uh, weapons that he has this year. With now bringing in Jamar Chase, so I think Jamar Chase is huge. They've upgraded the O line. It's a team that I think has a lot of talent on offense, offensive minded head coach, um, and they want to throw the ball a lot. He's their franchise guy. I would take Burrow. All right, Saquon Barkley, sixth overall or pass and take Josh Jacobs, 34th overall in the third round. I'm, I'm waiting and taking Josh Jacobs. I like that value. That, that to me, is strong. Uh, two years ago, Jacobs was great as a rookie. And then last year, it was a down year. And, and I think the Raiders are expected to be better. Cars expected to be better. I'm not big on Drake, Kenyon Drake. I'm not big on Drake, the 
the rapper either. But I'm not big on Drake, so I'm not worried about him. I think in, in, in the, the benefit to Jacobs is that Jacobs doesn't have to carry the full load. Again, it's a longer season. Normally, I view the running back committees as I get worried about it. But I think in today's NFL, and especially with the longer season, you, you actually want multiple guys carrying the load so that they aren't worn out the final games of the season when you're competing for a fantasy championship. Um, so anyway, I think, I think Jacobs uh, will bounce back this year and, and be much better. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there on that one. Uh, I think Jacobs is still a great value, especially because people forget he was actually top 10 last year in fantasy points scored for running backs. Everyone said he had a down year, but he was still a good running back last year. Um, and, you know, Saquon, Saquon's an animal. He's a great, great player. But, ah, man, injuries, like, last two seasons of him have been pretty much completely lost for him. I don't know how much you can trust them. And, and the Giants, we don't know what they're going to be doing as a team this year. There's so many different guys that have to get the ball in their hands with everyone they've paid and drafted. Um, so one that I have for you now, Carolina, would you rather have DJ Moore in the fifth round at 59th overall or Robbie Anderson in the eighth round at 89th overall? So to me, both are great. Both should have good years. We'll see about Sam Darnold. I'm very hopeful. I think there's a, a lot of potential there. It's it's kind of a wait-and-see type thing with him uh, because it's just hard to know. The Jets have been so bad, and, and did they ruin Sam Darnold? Or was he just not good enough to overcome the dysfunction in, in the Jets? Or were they really holding him back, and now he's going to thrive? So my hope is both these wide receivers are are very solid. My My gut is Robbie Anderson is worth an eighth round pick. And that's probably what he will be this year, but I'm high on DJ Moore, maybe because I've got his uh, Jersey hanging uh, in the, in the studio. But um, I think that DJ Moore in the fifth 59th overall, I think he's got the chance to be a top 10 wide receiver and, and really take a step forward. So to me that, that jump from, Oh wow, you could get a number one wide receiver or start you know, your wide receiver one uh, that late in the fifth. I feel good about that, so I'll go more. Next one, Pat Mahomes in the Pat Mahomes second overall, or Tom Brady in the seventh round and seventy ninth overall. So Super Bowl quarterbacks, who do you like with their ADP? I love Tom Brady this year, which I hate to say that, but I love him this year in fantasy football because of how late he's going. And people forget again that Tom Brady threw for forty touchdowns last year. And you can't argue with the weapons he has on this team. If you have a healthy Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown for a full season, you know, they bring in Giovanni Bernard too. OJ Howard's coming back healthy. Second year in the system with Bruce Arians. Quarterbacks are always better in the second year once they've been more acclimated to the offense. I think Brady's going to have another monster year this year. And, and people just always undervalue him because they're questioning whether he's going to fall off. He's never going to fall off. He's going to play until he's 65 years old. And <laughs> Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm always the one that thinks this is the year he falls off. As much as I love, I like I love Brady at this point in his career. I was rooting for him even in the in the Super Bowl. But from a fantasy perspective, my thought is always this is going to be the year. And guess what? I've also who else I've done that to? Frank Gore. I did that for the last 20 years. Oh, this is the year. This is the year. He's still out there. I don't know if he signed anywhere, but he's all he's always in the mix. So I'm wrong but I can't help it. I just, I can't draft Tom Brady. I, I don't think I've ever done it and I'm not going to start this season, <laughs> especially, you know, will they still be as hungry during the regular season? 
I think they'll get hot in the playoffs again. And, and if he's healthy, potentially make another run. Uh, but anyway, I'm out on fantasy uh, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, you read the last one, Harrison. All right. Would you rather have out of the two Patriot tight ends, Hunter Henry in the ninth round at 97th overall or Janu Smith in the 13th round at 152nd overall? I like Hunter Henry. I, I, I liked him in L.A. Uh, I'm surprised he went to New England, but they they don't really have a true wide receiver who's going to be their guy. A couple guys are, you know, uh, Myers or I like Aguilar okay. Uh, so I think there there is an opportunity for Henry to be their number one receiving threat. And ninth round, I'm okay with that. I think that's a, that's a good price for him. I, th- I think he'll at least live up to that. Uh, but it has the potential to to be a top ten tight end, which he's he's shown over the years when healthy. So maybe he'll be healthier in New England. That's the hope. So there you go. Those are some some ADP questions. Uh, do you take them or do you pass? And if you have any of those questions, you can email us fantasy at unpackingit.com. Any other fantasy questions heading into the season? We'd love to hear from you. Fantasy at unpackingit.com. Again. We don't pretend to be fantasy experts. We're fantasy coaches. Uh, sometimes we'll say silly things. Sometimes we'll be right. Sometimes we'll be wrong. But we hope that we will always be convincing and hopefully we'll always have some fun. All right, as we wrap the show up today and as we will wrap up each show here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, we will go to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. And we are in preseason number two. Uh, if you if you missed episode one, we talked about fantasy football experts and wisdom. And today we're going to talk about the chaos during a fantasy football draft. And the moment when you're on the clock, it's thrilling. It's scary. You get a little bit of anxiety. The pressure's on, especially if, if you have a clock and there's two minutes. And the, the guy that you thought you were going to take just got taken. And now all of a sudden you're going, uh-oh. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, my, uh, my, my, my computer's messed up. My my sheet with all my names are are, are messed up, and, and this happens, right? You see fantasy owners all the time. They get flustered. There's chaos, and you're on the clock. You got to make a choice. You don't want to blow it. You don't want to take the wrong running back with your fourth pick. That could end up winning or losing your league. Last year, I took Devin Singletary instead of Jonathan Taylor. It cost me. It was devastating. So there's chaos. When you're on the clock, well, what about in life? The reality is we, we all face big decisions. We face situations where we're feeling the pressure, anxiety's bubbling up, and we're wondering what to do, and we're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. Things that, you know, our plans aren't going according to our plan. And so what do we do? How do we respond? How do we handle those moments, the, the chaotic moments of life? And I think the great fantasy owners, they keep a level head, they're, they're well-prepared, and, and they, they push ahead, they persevere. And for us, if, if we follow Jesus, the good news is we don't have to handle the chaos alone. He is with us. We have to rely on him. And so we can't try to figure everything out in our own strength and our own wisdom. We got to seek him, and, and we got to seek him for his strength and his peace and and so even though we can't prevent you know many stressful situations stu- you know stuff happens in life and death illness all those sorts of things job loss all of it happens um but what we can do is we can remember to pause 
and invite Christ to get us through. And 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 each morning and each day, each moment throughout the day, and especially in the, the chaotic moments, relying on him and saying, all right, Lord, what do I do? And looking in his scripture and say, all right, his word, what, what can I do in this situation? So here, here's what the Bible says. Uh, now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. And then we can repeat this prayer from Isaiah where it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And then Psalm 29, 11 tells us, the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. So when considering our own draft room with you know high stress situations that cause us to be on the clock, on the clock, uh, you know, nervously going back and forth on what to do as, you know, we're worried about, you know, not making a mistake. Let's remember that, that Jesus can give us peace and strength to overcome the craziness. And instead of letting the chaos take over, we can confidently rely on him for wisdom to make a decision and move forward with hope and, and, and again, with peace. So you can unpack that today. Uh, you can read the full uh, session. Uh, when you order your Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook, encourage you to uh, to read this throughout the season. Read it with your league. You can get together for league meetings to, to, to discuss the book. Or you can join one of our Fantasy Football Fellowship leagues and you can discuss it with us uh, as we do each Thursday at noon, uh, noon Eastern. So uh, you can email me, uh, fantasy at unpackingit.com. If you're interested in being a part of that or any of our leagues, uh, you can go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy. Uh, but anybody can can go go get the book, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. For Harrison Zuckerberg, I'm Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast. We hope that that we can continue to to do this uh together as 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 fantasy football owners, finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season to go beyond the numbers, to look at God's word, and to encourage one another. And so I'm Bryce. I'm a fantasy football owner who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join us here at Fantasy Football Fellowship as we play fantasy football and follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. 